Act One of the Ghost Sonata by August Strindberg. Translated by Edwin Bjorkman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act One of the Ghost Sonata by August Strindberg. Characters Old Hummel, played by Anthony. The Student, read by Chuck Williamson. The Dark Lady, by Ginger Cucolo. The Colonel, read by Cliff Thompson. The Mummy, read by Capricia Page. The Young Lady, the Dandy, read by Amanda Friday. Johansson, read by Ron Altman. Bankson, read by Alan Johns. The Cook, read by Elizabeth Clett. Act One. The stage shows the first and second stories of a modern corner house. At the left, the house continues into the wings. At the right, it faces on a street, supposed to be running at right angle to the footlights. The apartment on the ground floor ends at the corner in a round room, above which is a balcony belonging to the apartment on the second floor. A flagstaff is fixed to the balcony. When the shades are raised in the windows of the round room, a statue of a young woman in white marble becomes visible inside, strongly illumined by sunlight. It is surrounded by palms. The windows on the left side of the round room contain a number of flower pots in which grow blue, white, and red hyacinths. A bed-quilt of blue silk and two pillows in white cases are hung over the railing of the balcony on the second floor. The windows at the left of the balcony are covered with white sheets on the inside. A green bench stands on the sidewalk in front of the house. The right corner of the foreground is occupied by a drinking fountain. The corner at the left by an advertising column. The main entrance to the house is near the left wing. Through the open doorway appears the foot of the stairway, with steps of white marble and a banister of mahogany with brass trimmings. On the sidewalk, flanking the entrance, stand two laurel trees in wooden tubs. At the left of the entrance there is a window on the ground floor with a window mirror outside. It is a bright Sunday morning. When the curtain rises, the bells of several churches are heard ringing in the distance. The doors of the entrance are wide open, and on the lowest step of the stairway stands the dark lady. She does not make the slightest movement. The janitress is sweeping the hallway. Then she polishes the brass knobs on the doors. Finally, she waters the laurel trees. Near the advertising column, Old Hummel is reading his paper, seated in an invalid's chair on wheels. His hair and beard are white, and he wears spectacles. The milkmaid enters from the side street carrying milk bottles in a crate of wire work. She wears a light dress, brown shoes, black stockings, and a white cap. She takes off her cap and hangs it on the fountain wipes the perspiration from her forehead, drinks out of the cup, 
washes her hands in the basin, and arranges her hair, using the water in the basin as a mirror. A steamship bell is heard outside. Then the silence is broken fitfully by a few bass notes from the organ in the nearest church. When silence reigns again and the milkmaid has finished her toilet, the student enters from the left, unshaved and showing plainly that he has spent a sleepless night. He goes straight to the fountain. A pause ensues. Can I have the cup? The milkmaid draws back with the cup. Are you not almost done? The milkmaid stares at him with horror. Old Hummel, to himself. With whom is he talking? I don't see anybody. Wonder if he's crazy. He continues to look at them with evident surprise. Why do you stare at me? Do I look so terrible? Oh, it is true that I haven't slept at all. And I suppose you think I have been making a night of it. The milkmaid remains as before. You think I have been drinking, do you? Do I smell of liquor? The milkmaid remains as before. I haven't shaved, of course. Oh, give me a drink of water, girl. I have earned it. Well, must I then tell you myself that I have spent the night dressing wounds and nursing the injured? You see, I was present when that house collapsed last night. Now you know all about it. The milkmaid rinses the cup, fills it with water, and hands it to him. Thanks. The milkmaid stands immovable. Would you do me a favor? My eyes are inflamed, as you can see, and my hands have touched wounds and corpses. To touch my eyes with them would be dangerous. Will you take my handkerchief, which is clean, dip it in the fresh water, and bathe my poor eyes with it? Will you do that? Won't you play the good Samaritan? The milkmaid hesitates at first, but does finally what he has asked. Thank you. He takes out his purse. The milkmaid makes a deprecatory gesture. Pardon my absent-mindedness. I am not awake, you see. The milkmaid disappears. Excuse a stranger, but I heard you mention last night's accident. I was just reading about it in the paper. Is it already in the papers? All about it, even your portrait. They are sorry, though, that they have not been able to learn the name of the young student who did such splendid work. Glancing at the paper. Oh, is that me? Well... Whom were you talking to a while ago? Didn't you see? Would it be impertinent to ask your estimable name? What does it matter? I don't care for publicity. Blame is always mixed into any praise you may get. The art of belittling is so highly developed. And besides, I ask no reward. Wealthy, I suppose. Not at all. On the contrary, poor as a dermouse. Look here. It seems to me as if I recognized your voice. When I was young, I had a friend who always said, Duh, instead of door. Until now, 
He was the one person I had ever heard using that pronunciation. You are the only other one. Could you possibly be a relative of the late Mr. Achenholz, the merchant? He was my father. Wonderful are the ways of life. I have seen you when you were a small child, under very trying circumstances. Yes, I have been told that I was born just after my father had gone bankrupt. So you were. May I ask your name? I am Mr. Hummel. You are? Then I remember. Have you often heard my name mentioned at home? I have. And not in a pleasant way, I suppose. The student remained silent. That's what I expected. You were told, I suppose, that I had ruined your father. All who are ruined by ill-advised speculations think themselves ruined by those they couldn't fool. The fact of it is, however, that your father robbed me of seventeen thousand crowns, which represented all my savings at that time. It is queer how the same story can be told in quite different ways. You don't think that I am telling the truth? How can I tell what to think? My father was not in the habit of lying. No, that's right. A father never lies. But I am also a father, and for that reason I saved your father from misery, and he repaid me with the ruthless hatred that is born out of obligation. He taught his family to speak ill of me. Perhaps you made him ungrateful by poisoning your assistance with needless humiliation. All assistance is humiliating, sir. And what do you ask of me now? Not the money back, but if you will render me a small service now and then, I shall consider myself well paid. I am a cripple, as you see. Some people say it is my own fault. Others lay it to my parents. I prefer to blame life itself, with its snares. To escape one of these snares is to walk headlong into another. As it is, I cannot climb stairways or ring doorbells. And for that reason I ask you, will you help me a little? What can I do for you? Give my chair a push to begin with, so that I can read the bills on that column. I wish to see what they are playing tonight. Have you no attendant? Pushing the chair as directed. Yes, but he is doing an errand. He'll be back soon. Are you a medical student? No, I am studying philology, but I don't know what profession to choose. Well, well, are you good at mathematics? Reasonably so. That's good. Would you care to accept a position? Yes. Why not? Fine. Studying the playbills. They are playing the Valkyrie at the matinee. Then the colonel will be there with his daughter, and, as he always has the end seat in the sixth row, I'll put you next to him. Will you please go over to that telephone kiosk and order a ticket for seat 82 in the sixth row? Must I go to the opera in the middle of the day? Yes, obey me, and you'll prosper. I wish to see you happy, rich, and honored. Your debut last night in the part of the brave rescuer will have made you famous by tomorrow, and then your name will be worth a great deal. The student, on his way out to telephone. Ah, <sighs> what a ludicrous adventure. Are you a sportsman? Yes. 
that has been my misfortune then we'll turn it into good fortune go and telephone now the student goes out hummel begins to read his paper again in the meantime the dark lady has come out on the sidewalk and stands talking to the janitress hummel is taking in their conversation of which however nothing is audible to the public after a while the student returns ready it's done have you noticed this house yes i have been watching it i happened to pass by yesterday when the sun was making every window-pane glitter and thinking of all the beauty and luxury that must be found within oh, i said to my companion wouldn't it be nice to have an apartment on the fifth floor a beautiful wife two pretty little children and an income of twenty thousand crowns so you said that did you really well well i am very fond of this house too do you speculate in houses yeah but not in the way you mean do you know the people who live here all of them a man of my age knows everybody including their parents and grandparents and in some manner he always finds himself related to everyone else i am just eighty but nobody knows me not through and through i am very much interested in human destinies at that moment the shades are raised in the round room on the ground floor and the colonel becomes visible dressed in civilian clothes he goes to one of the windows to study the thermometer outside then he turns back into the room and stops in front of the marble statue there's the colonel now who will sit next to you at the opera this afternoon is he the colonel oh, i don't understand this at all but it's like a fairy tale all my life has been like a collection of fairy tales my dear sir although the tales read differently they are strung on a common thread and the dominant theme recurs constantly whom does that statue represent his wife of course was she very lovely yeah well speak out oh we can't form any judgment about people my dear boy and if i told you that she left him that he beat her that she returned to him that she married him a second time and that she is living there now in the shape of a mummy worshipping her own statue then you would think me crazy i don't understand at all i didn't expect you would then there is the window with the hyacinths that's where his daughter lives she is out for a ride now but she will be home in a few moments and who is the dark lady talking to the janitress the answer is rather complicated but it is connected with the dead man on the second floor where you see the white sheets who was he a human being like you or me but the most conspicuous thing about him was his vanity if you were born on a sunday you might soon see him come down the stairway and go out on the sidewalk to make sure that the flag of the consulate is half-masted you see he was a consul and he reveled in coronets and lions and plumed hats and colored ribbons you spoke of being born on a sunday so was i i understand no really oh i should have known the color of your eyes shows it then you can see what other people can't 
have you noticed anything of that kind of course i can't tell what other people see or don't see but at times oh such things you don't talk of i was sure of it and you can talk to me because i i understand things of that kind yesterday for instance i was drawn to that little side street where the house fell afterward when i got there i stopped in front of the house which i had never seen before then i noticed a crack in the wall i could hear the floor beams snapping i rushed forward and picked up a child that was walking in front of the house at the time in another moment the house came tumbling down i was saved but in my arms which i thought held the child there was nothing at all well i must say much as i have heard please tell me one thing what made you act as you did by the fountain a while ago why were you talking to yourself didn't you see the milkmaid to whom i was talking a milkmaid yes the girl who handed me the cup oh that's what it was well i haven't that kind of sight but there are other things a white-haired old woman is seen at the window beside the entrance looking into the window mirror look at that old woman in the window do you see her well she was my fiancee once upon a time sixty years ago i was twenty at that time never mind she does not recognize me we see each other every day and i hardly notice her although once we vowed to love each other eternally eternally how senseless you were in those days we don't talk to our girls like that forgive us young man we didn't know better can you see that she was young and pretty once it doesn't show oh yes she has a beautiful way of looking at things although i can't see her eyes clearly the janitress comes out with a basket on her arm and begins to cover the sidewalk with chopped hemlock branches as is usual in sweden when a funeral is to be held and the janitress mm, that dark lady is her daughter and the dead man's and that's why her husband was made janitor but the dark lady has a lover who is a dandy with great expectations he is now getting a divorce from his present wife who is giving him an apartment house to get rid of him this elegant lover is the son-in-law of the dead man and you can see his bedclothes being aired on the balcony up there that's a bit complicated i should say yes it's fearfully complicated it certainly is inside and outside no matter how simple it may look but who is the dead man so you asked me a while ago and i answered you if you could look around the corner where the servants entrance is you would see a lot of poor people whom he used to help when he was in the mood he was a kindly man then yes at times not always no people are like that will you please move the chair a little so that i can get into the sunlight i am always cold you see the blood congeals when you can't move about death isn't far away from me i know but i have a few things to do before it comes just take hold of my hand and feel how cold i am taking his hand <sighs> i should say so he shrinks back 
don't leave me i am tired now and lonely but i haven't always been like this you know i have an endlessly long life back of enormously long i've made people unhappy and other people have made me unhappy and one thing has to be put against the other but before i die i wish to see you happy our destinies have become intertwined thanks to your father and many other things let go of my hand you are taking all of my strength you are freezing me what do you want of me patience and you'll see and understand there comes the young lady now the colonel's daughter his daughter yes look at her did you ever see such a masterpiece she resembles the marble statue in there it's her mother you are right never did i see such a woman of woman born happy the man who may lead her to the altar and to his home you see it then her beauty is not discovered by everybody then it is written in the book of life the young lady enters from the left wearing a close-fitting english riding suit without looking at anyone she walks slowly to the entrance where she stops and exchanges a few words with the janitress then she disappears into the house the student covers his eyes with his hand are you crying can you meet what is hopeless with anything but despair i have the power of opening doors and hearts if i can only find an arm to do my will serve me and you shall also have power is it to be a bargain do you want me to sell my soul don't sell anything you see all my life i have been used to take now i have a craving to give to give but no one will accept i am rich very rich but i have no heirs except a scamp who is tormenting the life out of me become my son inherit me while i am still alive enjoy life and let me look on from a distance at least what am i to do go and hear the valka first of all uh, that's settled but what more this evening you shall be in the round room how am i to get there through the valka why have you picked me to be your instrument did you know me before of course i did I have had my eyes on you for a long time. Look at the balcony now, where the maid is raising the flag at half-mast, in honor of the consul, and then she turns the bedclothes. Do you notice that blue quilt? It was made to cover two, and now it is only covering one. The young lady appears at her window, having changed dress in the meantime. She waters the hyacinths. There's my little girl now. Look at her. She is talking to her flowers, and she herself looks like a blue hyacinth. She slakes their thirst with pure water only, and they transform the water into color and fragrance. There comes the colonel with the newspaper. He shows her the story about the house that fell down, and he points at your portrait. She is not indifferent. She reads of your deeds. It's clouding up, I think. I wonder if it's going to rain then i shall be in a nice fix unless johansen comes back soon the sun has disappeared 
and now the stage is growing darker. The white-haired old woman closes her window. Now my fiancée is closing her window. She is seventy-nine, and the only mirror she uses is the window mirror, because there she sees not herself but the world around her, and she sees it from two sides, but it has not occurred to her that she can be seen by the world too. A handsome old lady, after all. Now the ghost, wrapped in winding sheets, comes out of the entrance. Good God! What is that I see? What do you see? Don't you see? There, at the entrance, the dead man. I see nothing at all, but that was what I expected. Tell me. He comes out in the street. Now he turns his head to look at the flag. What did I tell you? And you may be sure that he will count the wreaths and study the visiting cards attached to them. And I pity anybody that is missing. Now he goes around the corner. He wants to count the poor at the other entrance. The poor are so decorative, you know. Followed by the blessings of many, but he won't get any blessings from me. Between us he was a big rascal. But charitable. A charitable rascal, who always had in mind the splendid funeral he expected to get. When he knew that his end was near, he cheated the state out of fifty thousand crowns. And now his daughter goes about with another woman's husband, and wonders what is in his will. Yes, the rascal can hear every word we say, and he is welcome to it. There comes Johansen now. Johansen enters from the left. Report. Johansen can be seen speaking, but not a word of what he says is heard. Not at home, you say. Oh, you are no good. Any telegram? Not a thing? Go on. Six o'clock tonight. That's fine. An extra, you say? With his full name? Arkenholtz. A student. Yes, born. Parents. That's splendid. I think it's beginning to rain. What did he say? Is that so? He won't? Well, he must. Here comes the dandy. Push me around the corner, Johansen, so I can hear what the poor people have to say. To the student. And you had better wait for me here, Arkenholtz. Do you understand? To Johansen. Hurry up now. Hurry up. Johansen pushes the chair into the side street and out of sight. The student remains on the same spot, looking at the young lady, who is using a small rake to loosen up the earth in her pots. The dandy enters and joins the dark lady, who has been walking back and forth on the sidewalk. He is in mourning. Well, what is there to do about it? We simply have to wait. But I can't wait. Is that so? Then you'll have to go to the country. I don't want to. Come this way, or they'll hear what we are saying. They go toward the advertising column and continue their talk inaudibly. Johansen entering from the right to the student my master asks you not to forget that other thing look here tell me please who is your master oh he's so many things and he has been everything is he in his right mind who can tell 
All his life he has been looking for one born on Sunday. He says, which does not mean that it must be true. What is he after? Is he a miser? He wants to rule. The whole day long he travels about in his chair like the god of thunder himself. He looks at houses, tears them down, opens up new streets, fills the squares with buildings. At the same time he breaks into houses, sneaks through open windows, plays havoc with human destinies, kills his enemies, and refuses to forgive anything. Can you imagine that a cripple like him has been a Don Juan, but one who has always lost the women he loved? How can you make those things go together? He is so full of guile that he can make the women leave him when he is tired of them. Just now he is like a horse thief practicing at a slave market. He steals human beings, and in all sorts of ways. He has literally stolen me out of the hands of the law. Hmm, yes, I had been guilty of a slip, and no one but he knew of it. Instead of putting me in jail, he made a slave of me. All I get for my slavery is the food I eat which might be better at that. And what does he wish to do with this house here? No, I don't want to tell. It's too complicated. I think I'll run away from this whole story. The young lady drops a bracelet out of the window so that it falls on the sidewalk. Did you see the young lady drop her bracelet out of the window? Without haste, the student picks up the bracelet and hands it to the young lady, who thanks him rather stiffly. Then he returns to Johansen. So you want to run away? That is more easily said than done when he has got you in his net, and he fears nothing between heaven and earth, except one thing, or one person, rather. Wait, I think I know. How could you? I can guess. Is it not a little milkmaid that he fears? He turns his head away whenever he meets a milk-wagon, and at times he talks in his sleep. He must have been in Hamburg at one time, I think. Is this man to be trusted? You may trust him to do anything. What is he doing around the corner now? Watching the poor dropping a word here and a word there, loosening a stone at a time, until the whole house comes tumbling down, metaphorically speaking. You see, I am an educated man, and I used to be a book dealer. Are you going now? I find it hard to be ungrateful. Once upon a time he saved my father, and now he asks a small service in return. What is it? To go and see the Valkyrie. That's beyond me. But he is always up to new tricks. Look at him now, talking to the policeman. He is always thick with the police. He uses them. He snares them in their own interests. 
he ties their hands by arousing their expectations with false promises while all the time he is pumping them you'll see that he is received in the round room before the day is over what does he want there what has he to do with the colonel i think i can guess but i know nothing with certainty but you'll see for yourself when you get there i'll never get there that depends on yourself go to the valkyr is that the road yes if he has said so look at him there look at him in his war chariot drawn in triumph by the beggars who get nothing for their pains but a hint of a great treat to be had at his funeral old hummel appears standing in his invalid's chair which is drawn by one of the beggars and followed by the rest give honour to the noble youth who at the risk of his own saved so many lives in yesterday's accident three cheers for Achenholz. the beggars bear their heads but do not cheer the young lady appears at her window waving her handkerchief the colonel gazes at the scene from a window in the round room the fiance rises at her window the maid appears on the balcony and hoists the flag to the top applaud citizens it is sunday of course but the ass in the pit and the ear in the field will absolve us although i was not born on a sunday i have the gift of prophecy and of healing and on one occasion i brought a drowned person back to life that happened in hamburg on a sunday morning just like this the milkmaid enters seen only by the student and hummel she raises her arms with the movement of a drowning person while gazing fixedly at hummel old hummel sits down then he crumbles in a heap stricken with horror get me out of here johansen quick Arkenholz, don't forget the valka what is the meaning of all this we'll see we'll see curtain end of act one